Hey y'all, I'm Sammy, your host of the You Are Made For More podcast. John 10.10 is a promise that Jesus came down to earth so that we would have life and have it abundantly. My prayer is that this podcast and all of the content that we put out will remind every student that they were made for more simply because of who they were created to be. My own walk with the Lord and my relationships with the teenagers that I disciple have shown me that once we understand whose we are, the game changes, or in other words, transformation happens. Our identity changes everything. We recognize that it takes investment and partnership between the church and parents to raise teens who know and believe who they are in Jesus, and we're here to help with that. So buckle up as we take this journey and take a look at what God has to say about friendships, relationships, sexuality, dating, and all the things in between. On the You Are Made For More podcast today, you're going to hear a conversation I had with E.B. Hepworth. Evie's vulnerable and relatable heart has allowed her to encourage countless women across the globe. You may know her from serving with an organization called Wipe Every Tear for five years, who has who have the goal of bringing freedom and restoration to women trafficked in the sex trade, giving her a front row seat to redemption in their lives. She's also co-written a 30-day devotional titled Fearless Girl and is in the process of writing her second book. E.B. is passionate about cultivating healthy family, adoption, seeking identity and truth into women and throwing away the masks and being honest with where she's at. She's the CEO and chief dreamer of Fearless Co., an organization that cultivates a movement of women unhindered by fear. She's a wife to her husband, Zach, who you'll hear a lot about in this podcast, and a mother to their two beautiful children, Birdie and Asa. I'm excited for you to hear from her, so we're going to dive right in and hear from E.B. Hepworth. All right, well, E.B., thank you for being on the You Were Made For More podcast today. I am really pumped to get to sit down with you and get to chat about marriage and adoption and motherhood and kind of what your journey looks like through all of that stuff. So I already kind of filled in the listeners briefly about who you are and what you're all about, but I want to ask you to give us kind of a quick Sparks Notes version of who you are. Um, Where can we find you on a daily basis? What are you all about? Tell us some about who E.B. is. Awesome. My name is E.B. Hepworth, not to be confused with Ebby. My whole life, uh, Starbucks has gotten it correct a handful of times. Um, I am in Boise, Idaho. I'm originally born and raised in Modesto, California, which is Central Valley, kind of inland from the Bay Area. And um, I came to Boise to play soccer in college at Boise State, ended up falling in love with Jesus here and met my husband here. And we stayed. And uh, where to find me on a common basis, uh, daily basis, uh, usually at my desk, either working in the writing, uh, changing a diaper, <laughs> driving <laughs> my kids, now driving my kids to school because my kids just started school yesterday. Um, I am all over the place, but I my, my work history is I um, helped start an organization called Wipe Every Tear 
years ago, when I say I helped start it, the bones and the heart uh, were there, but I just came alongside the founder um, for five years. And what we did was we rescued girls from human trafficking in Southeast Asia, and we brought restoration and healing and help endorse education and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my husband and I spent our first uh, four years of our marriage going back and forth all over Southeast Asia. And it was amazing and awesome and fun. But um, when you're first married and navigating a lot of that, it was, there was a lot of lessons to be learned. Oh my and, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole podcast in itself. But, um, and we actually are two year coming up. We basically started the adoption process. I was 23 years old. My husband just turned 25 and we just felt the call to adopt. And long story short, we ended up adopting from Liberia, West Africa. And um, actually this Saturday is our two year anniversary of coming home back to America. But that process was a 21 month process. And um, our two children are absolutely beautiful. Their name is Bertie and Asa. My son, when we came home from Africa, three months coming home, we found out my son was diagnosed with a terminal genetic disease called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And so that's Mm -hmm. been a whole journey to transition and walk through. Um, when we actually started the adoption process, we didn't realize that um, we would have a, ger- a struggle getting pregnant. That wasn't our plan B or anything. It was just saying, hey, we just feel like we're supposed to grow our family. And we feel God doing it through adoption. And through the journey, we found out I was diagnosed with infertility. And through in the last four years, um, it's been a really crazy journey of just navigating that and navigating. I, I actually just had surgery last week. So the, yesterday was my first day out of bed. Um, but that's also another whole process of just... Um, you know, walking through and whatnot, but yeah, my story is anything but normal. Um, and my family looks anything, but, uh, we look different. We think different. We, uh, <laughs> we, it's just, it's a blast. And so, um, that's a little bit spark notes version of who I am and what my day to day looks like. Oh, and then I also started an organization called fearless co, uh, I guess about two years ago, um, we came out with a book, but then also our, this organization focuses on essentially uh, kind of similar to what you're doing, Sammy, just bring, bringing a voice and bringing up conversations that God, we just feel Holy Spirit is really stirring and then holding gatherings, creating more content and eventually, um, funding social justice initiatives globally. So it's a lot. Wow. You're yeah. So much. You forgot to add that in there. At the end. <laughs> but no, your story is awesome. One of the main, thank you for sharing all of that. You kind of like covered all of the big things that I wanted you to hit on. And something that I found EB through, um, social media, she's big on Instagram. And like she said, um, fearless co is an organization that really, works to create a culture where women can can be unhindered um, by fear. So I found you on social media. And one of the first things that I noticed was how through everything you share and everything, whether it's personal and you're sharing about a journey that you have been on um, or you're empowering someone else to do that, you are really great at speaking life and truth over women with the hope that they would understand what their worth is. So I want to hear a little bit about your faith journey. You said that you moved to Boise, went to college there, played soccer there, and that you fell in love with Jesus there. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Yeah, I uh, was raised, born and raised in the church, born and raised in a beautiful, amazing Christian family. 
I went to, grew up going to church, grew up, um, that whole thing. Um, and I've always had a closeness with the Holy Spirit since I was a little girl, but, um, you grow up and you just kind of, there's this uh, transition where your faith becomes your own. And so long story short, um, I walked away from the Lord, um, for about probably four years of my life. Just, you could put a handful of reasons as to why, but just kind of that whole rebellious typical, like, I just want to do what I want to do and I want to have fun and I want to do this. And so long story short, um, that's what I did. And that's what my story looked like. And, um, in the midst of that, my sophomore year of college, actually, I knew because I knew the closest of the Holy spirit, my whole life, I would do these things. I would live this different lifestyle. And in my heart, I knew I didn't want to do it. Um, I, I remember literally at parties pouring out my beer and filling the beer can with water just because I was like, I don't even want to do this. <laughs> But, Classic. I, but I'm committed to the character. And so it was just this weird season of um, not knowing I wasn't satisfied, but just, you know, so long story short, um, one, a, a girl on the track team invited me to go to a women's conference at a church. And I remember getting, um, essentially just wanting to go to call my dad and say, Hey, I went to church so that he wouldn't worry about me because he's in California. I'm in Idaho. And I just thought, Oh, that will make him feel good. So I go to the service and basically it was the first time in years that I just, all this, I started weeping in worship and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, you're kind of confronted uh, with who you are, you know, mm. you're made in the image of Jesus. And when the love of Jesus kind of washes over you, there's no counterfeit for it. And um, so essentially I was just kind of like, okay, you know, the speaker typical experience where you're like, wait, she's telling my life story. Hold on. You know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So lo and behold, that night I had been dating someone a long time, but I felt the Holy spirit for the first time say, this isn't what I have for you. And, uh, basically, uh, broke up that relationship and it was very, very hard. But then, uh, there was this journey of learning what surrender with, with Jesus looked like and just slow changes of being like, okay, the only thing I know what to do. I grew up knowing that the Bible is the place of uh, start, starting a relationship with Jesus. And so I just was like, I'm just going to start with one psalm a day. And so my college journey was mm. just falling in love with Jesus all over again and saying, God, show me who you are, not what I grew up thinking you were, but I want to know you. I want to start all over from the beginning. And so um, that was kind of my journey. And since then it was kind of, I'm an all in all out kind of girl. And so it was like, you lit a fire and all of a sudden it was this wildfire in my heart. And I, um, you know, got plugged into an amazing church and um, basically just started saying, okay, let's just go for it. And since then, uh, that's kind of the history. That was 10 years ago. And, um, I, you know, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you fall in love with his heart. And so I learned a mm. lot about, uh, global issues and human trafficking and, um, those kinds of things. And I'm just the type, I just can't sit around and just do nothing. And so that's kind of the beginning journey of what I, how I got into the industry that I'm in is I have zero qualifications. People ask me, what did you major in in college? I'm like, I majored in psychology and family studies. Like, you know, people are like, well, how did you get to where you're at? I'm like, I literally called them and asked if I could volunteer. Like, yeah, I just yeah. was like, you know, I literally took out the trash. Like there was nothing sexy about the beginning uh, start of like, I guess you could call. And I actually don't even like using the word calling because our calling is to be daughters and in, in children right. of, so it's like I, I think it's just I call it my passion it's just happens to be flowing into that place of um just healing people that have been exploited because I felt I can never relate obviously to a trafficking story but I can relate to a, a lost girl story and so mm. um that's just kind of been the journey of just being like this is my story and I I really hope that God I mean I get people all the time asking me on Instagram like I had this like 
the cool thing about my story is I haven't had, you know, there's different types of brokenness. Mm. And within my story, I have walked through a lot, a lot of really hard things. And so it might not look necessarily maybe like, you know, trafficking or maybe like these other ideas that I've been able to pour into my life, but I've walked through a lot of other types of pain. And so to be able to use the different types of um, just challenges that I face and still say, listen, like, I seriously don't know how people do it without Jesus. I really, really Amen. don't. It's like, I don't, like, oh my gosh, even just this past week being literally one of the hardest weeks in my life, just getting mm. bad news on top of bad news. And I'm like, he is the literal only answer. And so just being able to, like you said, and I'm so um, honored that you have said, I've been able to pour into other people. It's like, I feel like over and over, God is like entrusting me with this, um, in a weird honoring way and trusting me with these hard challenges because he knows the only outcome and product is that I would lean in closer to him. Yeah. And, and it's like that at the end of the day, any, any loss or brokenness is worth, but it's interesting actually how pain, there's a reason it says, we look at this verse, it's like, who's close to the brokenhearted, he binds up their wounds. And we use that in kind of soft pain and like, oh, like mm. I, had a, I had a hard day or uh, yeah, I got broken up with, or somebody hurt my feelings. But that root word, that pain, it's like death. That's in diagnoses. That's in, you know, broken, like these deep parts of pain. It's interesting how in that place is the only place that you deeply, deeply fall into the lap of God compared to joy or compared to celebration or compared, you know, those things are beautiful God things, but you don't fall into him at a deep surrender and absolute desperation in the way that pain does. And so I've just been able to learn over the last few years, this pain as hard as it is. And as much as it sucks in grieving, you know, I think people look at Joe, like, I think he can hold joy and sorrow in the same hand. And it like, I think that sometimes we think uh, that's a whole nother, I'm getting all preachy, but <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been a journey essentially of just my faith, the walk of not taking a situation that happens to me and assuming God gave it to me or, you know, but it's been this journey of, okay, God, every single hard thing or good thing is an invitation to lean more into you. And, um, nothing is too broken. No marriage is too broken. No bank account is too bankrupt. No, whatever. Like he really can turn around anything. And uh, I just feel like this invitation from God to be like, you can either fully trust me with every single inch of your life or not trust me at all. And like I said, I'm mm. an all in kind of girl. So I'm like, well, that's kind of the only option at this point. That is awesome. You're definitely an all in type of gal. I can tell <laughs> just from listening, like he, but I love that because I, I love how you said that even though you can't specifically relate to a woman who has been trafficked before the, I think that God does use our own experiences to create more compassion for other stories that, you know, don't look like our story, but we Absolutely. know at the root of our story that there is pain and hardship and desperation. And I think that that's, that is how we have compassion for these things in the world that are really hard, you know, and that we don't understand. So I just love that you have kind of really leaned in to that. And again, that you share, I think it's really easy to share things that we've like come through and now we're on the other side of them. Right. But like when you're in the middle of it and sharing mm -hmm. that with other people, it takes a lot more courage and trust that like the Lord is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he will for you. Um, so yeah, I just admire that about you. And I think that you do that really well. Um, 
in your marriage too. So you said that you met your husband at college. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about your love story. I kind (laughs) of want to like, that's where your heart for your family really started was with Zach and with your marriage. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we have a really fun love story that's its entire episode alone. (laughs) It's so long, but essentially uh, we met at our old college youth group and he was the cool kid. He had a big old afro and he has an amazing gift with communicating and actually rapping. He's a gifted artist. And so that's so cool. Yeah, he's the coolest. (laughs) And so he would do a lot of spoken word, a lot of uh, rap and whatnot, and really use his gift. And of course, he's like smoking. It's just like, so you're like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> and so long story short, um, he did not know I existed. He was in a really focused <laughs> season of just like really being with the Lord. And uh, and both of us come from a, of a, a history of not healthy relationships. And so it was clearly for both of us a season of not like any of that. So Uh, There was a long season of friendship there, and I was always deeply, deeply attracted to him, was always like, oh, my God, I would cry myself to sleep. All these girls would sit across a coffee table and tell me how much they loved him, how God told them they were their husband, and I'm like, oh, crap, like, this is hilarious. This is, I mean, God didn't tell me he's my husband, so this girl obviously must be marrying him. And so um, it was just a crazy, crazy season, and so essentially the way that our actual relationship evolved. I had moved away to serve um, in Colorado for a season. And in the middle of that season, I had already planned to go to on a missions trip to China with our, um, with an amazing organization. And he was also going on that trip. And so I remember planning, I'm not even going to talk to him. Like we're, we're good yeah. we're friends. We're just homies. <laughs> like there's nothing, but my maiden name and his last name were right next to each other. So our flight, our seats on the plane were right next to each other. So we talked, you know, and obviously China's, you know, 25 hours away. So we caught up the whole time and I was just like, dang it, this guy is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, um, on that trip, the kind of romantic part of it is that our whole team went to dinner without us, which on a mission trip does not happen. You never, like, it was just really like a God set up moment. And so we're like in the middle of, um, you know, this hotel room or hotel lobby and we're like, well, we should probably go find the team, which is another no-no on the missions field. You don't just like go find your team in the middle of China, but we're like, oh yeah, we should probably do that. (laughs) I was actively ignoring him because I, I just tried to protect my heart and I was just, you know, and so he was like, what's going on? And he's always called me Elizabeth, which nobody else calls me that. And it was always kind of hard for me. Cause I'm like, Hey, like, we're not, can you just stop calling me that? And it was just this weird thing. So long story short, I kind of had this buildup of like three and a half years of just emotional, like torture felt like. And he was like, Elizabeth, what's going on? And I'm like, you know what? I am, I just can't, like, I have been um, fully like into you for years and it's so overwhelming. And I just am done trying to give, you don't deserve this part of attention when there's no, cause for years he'd been like, I don't think I'm going to get married. I don't like, you know, typical oh, wow. like, young Christian boy thing. And I was like, so I'm not going to give you this like flirtation or whatever you're trying to get from me when I know that nothing's going to happen. So just be quiet. Don't talk to me. Just like, you leave me alone. Just totally talking a million miles per hour. And he looks at me and we're in the middle of a subway in China, which is obviously the most populated place in the world. And everybody's bumping into us. And he goes, Elizabeth. And I still keep talking over him. And he's like, Elizabeth, it's you. I want to be with you. And I was like, what? And it just, you know, there's bumping people. I didn't think I heard him right. And it's just. Uh, so much going on and he's like I want to be with you and I was like holy cow Uh, and so essentially um 
that started that was kind of the release in a way of him like, yeah. telling me that was the first actual conversation of any type of uh, you know potential relationship so from then on out um we obviously talked about it we brought our pastors into it we uh and then we i had to move back to colorado so we were like okay the next six months we'll just like, continue an intent like a intentional friendship, but we won't actually date, whatever you want to call it, whatever Christianese term you want to slap on there. <laughs> and um, so that was a really fun season of just like, you know, me still being fully committed to the season I was in, but then still allowing us to get to know each other in that way. And so um, it's really beautiful. Even he, he, the way he explains it on his side is that, you know, there was, you know, built up of almost three years of friendship there. And he really never had a like interest in me he was kind of like oh I can recognize that she's beautiful but I don't ever anticipate pursuing her but that first day we were in China I was we were on a subway and I was playing with this little girl and I brought candy so then I when I saw you know typical mission trip thing I would be able to you know give them something and so I pulled out candy out of my purse and was just connecting with her and playing peekaboo and he said all of a sudden this veil was lifted and like in a moment he said he fell in love with the mother that I would be and what mm. I love about that is that God revealed to him, he instantly saw me through the lens of a mother, which I've always wanted to be a mother. It wasn't ever anticipated that we would be parents so young. We kind of had that 30 year rule where we're like, hey, when we're 30, we'll talk about it. But there's so many things we want to do before. But um, the, what's so beautiful now being seeing it, you know, eight years later, my journey to motherhood has been one of the craziest <laughs> testimonies of my life. And so for God to reveal to my husband, uh, through that lens, he fell in love with me as a mother. It's just so beautiful to me. And so uh, our marriage has been a season, a, a, a total, it's gone through brokenness and tarnishness and absolute, like, there's no way we're going to be able to get out of this. We're both passionate people. We're mm -hmm. both, um, you know, he's an eight on the Instagram. I'm a three. Um, and they, oh, wow. they explain yeah. It, yeah, is that I, you know, you're either total chaos or you're powerful together. And we've seen both sides of that. And you know, I had um, beautiful mentors that that mentored us through engagement, that mentored us through beginning years of marriage. I mean, I had we had everything you needed for success set up, and we still just hit this dead end of I don't think marriage. I don't think I want to be married. Like mm -hmm. it was, it's hard. Marriage is hard, and so coming out of that, you know, our marriage has been through a lot. You know, we in our first three years of marriage, we went through more than most people do in their entire marriage, and mm -hmm. so. Um, it's been really amazing the last year of looking at our marriage and seeing it through the lens of victory and seeing what God can do um, in two very stubborn people, but two willing, willing, willing people. And God has really um, extended an invitation to like increase our standard of humility, increase our standard of service, understanding we don't have to agree, but we have to listen to each other and we have to honor, you know, and just uh, our marriage has really, really, really been transformed in the last year. And so, um, it's something that I'm passionate about, but something I don't, I, I don't know if you're allowed to give marriage advice until you've been married for at least like 10 years. In my yes. opinion. <laughs> like when, when people give marriage advice and they've been married for like anything less than 10 years, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. But <laughs> it's just yes. like, yeah, God, our marriage really is a trophy that the Holy Spirit can honestly hold up with, with pride of just what he's done with it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think that marriage definitely, I have been married for just over three months. So oh, I, I have, baby married. <laughs> yep, still in the newlywed phase, but seriously, totally. like, even, I agree, like, we had all of the right tools, like, we walk with people, yeah. mentor, totally. and, like, I, I mean, like, there have, I've, my husband and I have looked at each other and been, like, how do people 
do yes. this without for Jesus. 50 years. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I resonate with everything you were saying. Um, awesome. and, but that is a beautiful testimony just from your husband's side, what the Lord revealed to him about your heart and your desires, yeah. like before you both even knew what was about to come to fruition. So I love yeah. that. Um, that's a great transition into kind of the adoption side of your story. Like you said, your journey into motherhood, into becoming a mother has not been traditional in any right. way. Um, but it is beautiful from what I've read about it and from what I've seen you post. So for our listeners, Evie has adopted two kids um, from Liberia. Their names are Bertie and Asa. Like she said, um, they're first of all, they're the cutest. Like if you ever need to just cheer yourself up, go on her Instagram and look at her kids because they are beautiful. Um, But I know this is like probably such a long story with so many components. Um, But I really want to hear like how your heart for adoption began. If that's something you and your husband talks about, before you got married, like how the Lord revealed that to both of you and then what that journey was like to getting your kids. Yeah. Um, so my husband knew when he started pursuing me that adoption was in the cards. And, um, so he, you know, and I think when you're really, really soft, uh, and tender to the gospel, usually serving the orphans and widows in any capacity is usually, hopefully you're confronted with that and you accept invitation to, um, and that doesn't always look like adoption just to make that clear. It looks like mm-hmm. a lot of different things, but, um, you know, long story short, my husband was actually adopted by his birth father. And so he has a beautiful story of adoption, um, in his own way. And, um, and he shares about that, but, um, long story short, we, we were married about four or five months and I actually ended up getting pregnant and ended up getting, having an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Um, we actually, he had just lost somebody really close to him, his uncle. My husband comes from a very, very close family. And we actually flew to Hawaii for his uncle's funeral and left that funeral and went straight to the emergency room and ended up finding out that I had an ectopic pregnancy. Um, my fallopian tube ruptured, I had internal bleeding. If I were anywhere, if I were in a third world country, I would have died. Um, something wow. that simple, but it's just crazy that things like that, that you have access to, you know? Um, and so long story short, they had to remove my fallopian tube. And so it threw us for a loop because we weren't ever planning to get pregnant. Um, and so, and just how, all the loss I was kind of wrapped up in that two week period. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of all of a sudden we were confronted with, uh, just the question of legacy and the question of kids. And we were really like this uh, straight up the type that we're like five years, a minimum of five years. Obviously we were engaged with long-term missions and we were considering moving internationally and we we're like that, you know, and so um, basically about five, you know, and working in the human trafficking industry, uh, the way traffickers, they prey on vulnerable. So they'll prey on around, you know, around orphanages or in, you know, domestically they prey on the foster care program. And so, when we started kind of confronting, we just felt the Lord kind of start children, the conversation of children. And so we, we were like, and the doctor said, you're getting it pregnant. Fine. You're totally good. You'll have another tube. It's no issue. Um, but all of a sudden God really started speaking adoption. And then, um, one day Zach was like, we, we need to adopt babe. And I just really, really strongly feel like it's from Africa. 
And so um, we started that process. We brought our family and our close, maybe six close friends around the process the first six months. Um, and we sold our couch for the application payment. Uh, we had absolutely <laughs> no money. We had, we're two struggling missionaries fully raising support. And we were like, this doesn't make any sense. We got a lot of flack uh, when we did announce it from people saying, I can't believe that you would be so immature as to fundraise for uh, children and adopting. And I mean, it was, a wow. thing. but uh, we never planned on adopting too, but uh, essentially uh, being, you know, like I said, in the industry, uh, we just felt like for our first adoption that God was really inviting us into um, international, but then specifically we, we both have had dreams of serving Africa in a whole, obviously there's specific nations God puts on your heart within places, but that's what we, that's what we felt. So we started researching, started connecting with different agencies. There's a lot of different process, you know, there's a lot of ethical things. And so it was really important to us to make sure we were with an ethical agency. And so we started the process and basically uh, in a nutshell, it's 21 months long. Uh, we started in one nation, ended up ending, you know, being sent to Liberia and by godsend and we got matched with two beautiful babies and we weren't expecting mm. to and it was this really crazy story of um you know like again international adoption is very expensive and so when uh, we ended up getting matched with two we were like oh my gosh lord how are you going to provide for this like how this is like crazy we're you know and every single penny was fully raised this organization that ended up only or giving you know four grants out and then they actually ended up having to close down because it was just hard nonprofit is hard but um we were one of the families and they called us a week after we said yes to our two matches and they said we've been so inspired by your story that we want to fund the entire second adoption and then wow. five days later we had another grant placed hey we want to send you five thousand dollars for this and then another one and just it kept coming and it kept coming and the really cool thing even with that very first grant that said we want to fund the entire second adoption um they said do you have you know a history of all that it's going to cost for one adoption like do you have payments and anything and from the very beginning of our adoption the lord holy spirit said i want you every single penny that you spend in this to be documented and allocated i want you to really take care of the finances with integrity every single step of the way and so when they called they said but we need that asap if you want this and because we had listened to the lord from the very beginning days every single mm. penny had been already organized so we could send them a spreadsheet and say this is every penny we've we've spent and they were able you know just little moments of obedience lead up always to a big place of where you're going to have an invitation to have favor and whatnot but it was like uh you know every single moment of the adoption you know was really miraculous and then two months after we get matched we find out that our son has uh you know these potential special needs and we didn't know what that looked like but he was on the verge of death multiple times and um, and so long story short, we had this invitation to go there um, and not know when we were going to come home. And up until our adoption, other adoptions had been years, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's a really broken, broken, they have a civil war they're recovering from, they're recovering from Ebola. And so when we got on a plane, we were obviously hoping for it to be short for the sake of being able to get our kids, um, you know, the health things addressed, but we had no idea how long we'd be there. And um, it was a really beautiful season because it, we didn't have to rely on Google. We didn't have power. We didn't have water all the time. We didn't have these things. And as, as terrifying as that sounds, it's like, that is how I wanted to step into parenthood. I wanted to just look at my husband and say, let's ask the Holy Spirit what to do right now, because I don't know what to do. And they hand you these babies. And I, as much as I crave to be a mother, I don't have these natural instincts of motherhood that some people just do, you know, some people are like, right. Hold the baby this way, and I love kids, and I love all these things, but we both weren't like professionals by any means. Mm -hmm. And so, 
uh, you know, the first three months to not have any of the external noise of uh, America or the, uh, the busyness and the rush and the, um, the social media and all that, just to be able to really literally go to the poorest place on planet earth to be able to connect as a family uh, was so special. And there was a lot of, even with an adoption, there was a lot of bonding. That was a journey and attachment and within your marriage, what is it, what's the toll that it takes on a marriage and parenting and the stress of uh, being in that, you know, there's just so much, I got deathly ill with malaria. Both our kids had malaria multiple times while we were there and just uh, allowing to really like press into your husband's strength when you think that your, your brain might explode from malaria and typhoid. And uh, it's just, <laughs> we were kind of confronted each week. It was like, Oh, here's a new battle. Yeah. You know? But it was honestly beautiful. And um, yeah. And we know we'll adopt more in the future. We don't know how many, we don't know when, we don't know how, but uh, we just want to be able to always say yes, as God opens new doors to grow family and build a legacy. Mm, that is wow. What a testimony. I love that. It's, it's just so cool to hear kind of the whole story um, and knowing where you are now. Um, just to see, like like you said, you and Zach doing little things that were obedient to God and him blessing you and kind of confirming and affirming along the way that like you were supposed to adopt and that was the time you were supposed to adopt and that was what he had for you. It's just really cool. Um, this is a big question, but I think that it, your answer probably is going to help a lot of moms, potential, um, women who want to adopt. Um, what's the biggest thing you've learned either from adopting to two kiddos or from motherhood in general because like you said not everyone has this like innate reaction to being a mom and knowing all right. the right things to do like what's the biggest thing that you've kind of learned through this journey oh that's a hard one but the first thing that comes to mind is really having your tribe and like your people um mm. because I we are they're going to carry you when you don't really think that you can be carried. They're going to like, you're going to feed off of their strength in seasons where you're like, dang, dude, I don't know how this is going to happen. Um, and they're going to help you. They're going to bring lift even with the, the sense of a family, like watch, helping watch your kids. It was really neat because it's like when we brought our kids home and even now still to this day, our, my best friend lives six houses down. There is this real dynamic of family within our friend group that I've never experienced before. And I know that we're very, very honored to have that. I know how rare it is. I know a lot of people crave it and don't necessarily have it. Mm -hmm. um, and as the answers to find that, I'm not totally sure. Um, I think there's a lot of practical things you can do to be able to get into a people group that believe the same things and want the same things and will fight for the same things with each other. But then there's a practicalness of just getting along and like liking each other's personality. But yeah. All that to say, um, we really, our tribe really, really carried us. They had our back when people would talk negatively about us. They, uh, you know, prayed with us, like really prayed with us. Not the Christian polite thing to say, praying for you or comment praying on Instagram when it's like, mm -hmm. are you though? Uh, they really would intercede with us. They really, really, really would uh, come alongside us in different, like with ACEs diagnosis and all these different things. Our friends are constantly saying, how can I bring lift? What can I do? Um, and so, and even just in, in motherhood, you need that. But then also just um, as a mo mother piece of advice for adoption in general, it's going to look a lot different than you want it to. 
your story's going to look a lot different. The way that you mother is going to look a lot different probably than you want it to. You're going to lose your cool. You got to give yourself grace. Um, and you're going to have to know, like, like, for me, I can't imagine loving any child the way that I love our kids. I swear that I birthed them. Mm. And so you're going to have to um, learn, like, I don't know how to explain it, but you're going to have to learn how to love them in a way where, um, you're going to have to give yourself that same grace that you're giving them, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But, yeah, I would say just really giving um, yourself that extension of grace while also making sure that you set yourself up for success and have those ride-or-die homies with you. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, hey, dude, I am going to lose my cool. I need a break. Can you come up for 25 minutes so then I can just take a lap? and like, Or the other way, I, I, I feel like I'm giving my kids more attention than my husband. Will you watch the kids tonight so that I can – just focus on Zach or so I can, right. you know, whatever. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. That's really helpful. I think that again, I mean, you talked about that a little bit with being in Africa for a period of time, right after you adopted your kids and kind of learning how to parent and like, just the, it's a huge shift in dynamics from going to like, from two people just focused on your marriage and kind of preparing to be parents to actually having two humans that you have to care for and and help live in abundance you know so that it's super important to a people community friendship companionship that's awesome um I'm gonna read a quote from one of your blog posts that I just love that hits on kind of what you said about adoption, about your story not looking like you think it's going to look or how you want it to look. Um, But this is what you said. You said, to adopt is to risk. And the greatest adventures of our lives are always on the other side of risk. In the middle of frequent meltdowns, insecurities, and an inability to stay cool, calm, and collected, God is audaciously somehow crafting this beautiful story of redemption and wholeness for our family. And through it all, I am learning that Jesus is the ultimate storyteller. Those words are awesome. And I think that I just want to ask you, like, for a couple who is listening to this podcast, who maybe they are praying about adopting, but they're kind of anxious about it. They don't know anything about it. They haven't been involved in the industry, per se, um, of loving the orphans and the widows and the fatherless. Like, what would you say to them? What's something that a piece of advice, something that you wish you would have known before starting the adoption process? Yours is international, so it might look a little bit different if it's within the United States, but adoption is a huge journey, for sure. So what's, what's something that you would offer them? Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of times a lot of people will go into adoption, uh, taking on this rescuer role Mm. when, um, that's not at all the role that you're taking on. You're literally, uh, becoming a home for a family Mm -hmm. and sometimes, and I think that that just obviously, you know, is kind of a byproduct of, of pride or different things, or even social media skewing things that might not be the heart's motive, but that's sometimes how it's portrayed. And so, um, I think just like really, really soaking your heart in humility and saying, God, I'm going to trust you with every single inch of this story. Um, and maybe it looked like 
opening your heart to foster care. Maybe it looks like opening your heart to adoption through an agency or international, or maybe it looks like just doing respite or maybe not just, that's just as important. Maybe it looks like, I think that the first question when people say, hey, I feel this stirring in my heart and I don't really know what to do with it. I always say, uh, it, a lot of times also pe- couples will look for this shining star or this audible voice of God as a sign. Well, God, will you just confirm that you want us to do this? And I think just navigating, for me, I hear the Holy Spirit's voice by peace. I can measure something if I feel peace in it. And so I always tell people, if you feel like you're supposed to adopt, then start to research, start to follow, you know, start to press into the different ways that you can adopt. And then ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what what is the route you want us to do, God, and then slowly start to do it. If there are little moments, there's a difference between anxiety and fear or nerves and fear, I should say. And I think a lot of times people translate nerves as fear just because it's a little bit disrupting and so sometimes pushing past the nerves of the unknown which all of adoption is unknown at any point a birth mom has the perfect right to change her mind you know if it's domestic at any point a government official could not sign a paper that you need to return home to america at any point your foster child could be reunified with their family if that's what's bad you know like at any point the story will shift Mm-hmm. And so in all of life, holding everything loosely, saying, God, no matter what the outcome of this story looks like, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to measure every single step based off your peace, not based off what I feel, quote unquote, because nerves, I'm going to translate as fear. And I'm going to assume that that's not peace. And, and just learning in the journey, how does it look like to trust you in this, in this moment? Um, and not assuming that your story has to be this beautiful Instagram worthy story. It doesn't matter. Like it does not matter what it looks like, but literally just doing one step of obedience at a time. And with adoption, now looking at our story, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how the heck we did that. If you would have told me yeah. that's what it looked like. And then it, it's that invitation to be like, I don't want to do it again because I knew what it took. Mm. And and then being like, no, that's not the voice of love or the voice of peace. The voice, they, you don't change whether or not obedience just based off what you feel. And so it's like, this invitation to not step out all because now I know what it looks like. And so um, really just like, and being unified as a couple, you know, like if a spouse isn't ready, then a spouse isn't ready. And yeah. just being like, babe, I'm going to go with your, you know, I'm going to just trust God is going to continue. Let's pray into this together. Um, you know, and really pray together. Like that's something my husband and I haven't always been the best at starting each day, just praying together and being like, okay, if this is something that I, you feel in one of your pers- people's hearts, then take time every single day or a few times a week to sit down and say, we're going to pray into this together, you know, and together, not just say, I'll pray about it. And then we'll come back and talk about it, but actually saying, God, I'm going to take, I'm going to give three minutes of this day to pray with my spouse about what you want to do with adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes with all of life. That goes yes. Amen. <laughs> I, there are so many things that I'm like, here I am worrying about it, or I feel God speaking on a specific area of, of you know, inviting me to step into this new thing. And, uh, and then I'm not praying about it. You know, yep. and there's that Instagram quote that's like, have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? And my answer 99% of the time is no, dude. I process with friends often before I process the Holy Spirit. Oh, and yes. And that's where this, this, this innate spirit reflex gets to become a reflex after your innate responses. I want to talk to God about it first. And that's a lifelong journey. And there's no destination or arrival. Or there's no arrival point of like having that. But that's how muscles are built of just inst- continue to do the same motion, continue to have that strength, you know, and then your body eventually has this quick reflex. And so that's what right now I'm like, God, teach me 
to, to allow my heart to seek your voice first. I want to know my shepherd's voice better than I know my husband's voice, better than I know my own insecurities voice, better than I know my best friend's voice. Let me know your voice above that. And the only way you know how to know his voice is if you know his word. And then, you know, and so I think yeah. often nowadays we're translating quiet time with the latest song and sitting in quiet. And that does look, that is so important to have listening time. That's so important to quiet your heart. But coming back, I'm in this deep season of being like, God, I want to know your word. Because if I'm in your word, I know that I'll know how to be obedient. I know that I'll know your voice. Mm-hmm. I know that I'll step forward if I'm supposed to adopt. I'll step forward if I'm supposed to end this relationship. I'll step forward if I'm supposed to uh, transition uh, in ministries. I'll step forward if I'm supposed to have a hard conversation conversation with a friend that I'm not looking forward to. It's like washing and renewing your mind with the word is the secret weapon of anyone that you've seen, any any saint, any, you know, superhero that, you know, changed the world. That That is the common denominator of an obedient and brave life. Is it a life soaked in the Bible? So good. Yes. Knowing the word of God is like a hundred percent makes those types of obedience so much easier in a way like you're talking about with peace like when you have the peace of god there can be chaos happening around you and if you have peace in your heart it makes it so much easier to to know that what you're doing is of god and be confident in that so thank you for sharing that um we're coming up on our time so to end i kind of just want to ask you now in the season that you're in you shared a little bit about having surgery last week and this hard season that your family is walking through. How can we be praying for you as a community? What do you, what do you and Zach and your kids need prayer for? Yeah. Um, gosh, um, I would say just that, um, obviously for healing, you know, mm-hmm. continued strength and surgery, recovering from that. But um, at the end of the day, I want my heart, like you said earlier, it's one thing to share a victory, but it's another to share during the battle. And yep. I, uh, there's a constant invitation from the Lord. Um, I feel like as if I don't have an option that God's always been like, your life is a canvas for my glory. And I want you to share it. And there's boundaries. I, we don't share a lot of things, different things that we go on. I, you know, there's discernment when not with what we share, but, um, that, that, that my heart would just continue to be so soft to that, you know, just a couple nights before our surgery, I felt this, it was actually one of the most powerful moments I've had with the Lord that I'm not going to go into right now, but, um, it was essentially this invitation, uh, to trust God with every single inch of my life. And that sounds mm-hmm. Christianese, but that is my heart's cry right now. That's the first thing I pray in the morning. God, help me to trust you with every inch of my life because the moment fear comes, that, that that's showing me a little tiny spot of my life that I'm not trusting you. Yep. And so um, just that, obviously, that I would be obedient in that and then that people would continue to be encouraged and people would look at my story and they'd see what somebody can do with a broken, incredibly average girl that just has enough faith to trust that God's going to pull her through something that's really hard. Um, so that would, be, that would be it. Yeah, just continued strength to share our story awesome um and Evie what is your where can we find you online and kind of keep up with everything going on with you and your family totally Instagram's the best spot I'm in the process of trying to get everything on my website up to date so then people can just go on eviehepworth.com um but yeah Instagram's the best spot so you can find me there my handle is eviehepworth e-b-i-e-h-e-p-w-o-r-t-h Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us and sharing like all of these things. I just know that this is going to minister to someone in a season that 
maybe is like one step behind your season um it's this is really special and yeah just thank you for being who you are and um letting the lord work in and through you so thank you thanks for doing your thing being obedient bless you sis I really hope that you guys enjoy this conversation on the You Were Made For More podcast today. And I encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, to check out our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our handle is at AbundantLifeYM. You can follow all the content that we put out about healthy relationships, sexuality, dating, and scripture there. And... If you would, if you haven't already, can you rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to um, it on? It would really bless our listeners and it would bring the You Are Made For More message to more people. So we would love if you could do that. Other than that, thank you for tuning in. I'm Sammy Gallo, your host, and we will see you next time.